Hello, this is Retta Rainbow coming back to you for season two of Sister Love. For those who, for, who are first tuning in um, and haven't really gone through season one, Sister Love is a platform where we talk about some of the issues and celebrations and triumphs and needs of women of color, but targeting Black women, um, giving us a space to navigate things that pertain to us that may not be talked about outside of a Sunday brunch, or one of your homegirl check-ins or anything like that, just trying to give more light and credence to the issues that really um, hone in on our life's experiences. So for season two, all of my episodes will feature one or more persons. As promised, I wanna bring you all more content, but I also wanna bring you more people who are on the front lines of the different issues that we're gonna talk about here. So for today, um, it is my honor. I have my sister on the episode. Her name is Sharon um, King-Pittman. She's out of Georgia. She's an educator, but she's also the co-author of our book that was released this summer called Admission Possible. The book chronicles our experiences as first-generation college scholars in our family, the things that we knew about college going in, the things that we learned the hard way, some of the triumphs, some of the topics that people still to this day with all the first generation programs and with all the first year experience programs, there's still some issues that it's not that they're off topic, but people either don't program around them because the people programming may not have those experiences or the data that's out there doesn't speak or give life or tell the story of some of the more marginalized populations. And then too, there's a sense of vulnerability too. There's just some things that people aren't gonna be willing to put in the survey. So my sister and I shared kind of like a roadmap of our experiences. Uh, we went to several different institution types. We both have um, graduate degrees. And so the book, even though we're in a pandemic, the book is really to help anybody who is either in college, considering college, um, a caregiver, a guidance counselor, educator, whomever, if you connect to young people, um, what are the things that they need to do to make that decision? If you are an adult, doesn't matter where you are in the generational life cycle, if you start thinking about going back to college or going to college or leveling out different um, career paths, as we know, things are really interesting around the globe, with people having to find different skill sets and things of that nature, and you're trying to weigh out what direction to go. This book speaks to all generations, and it's not just about the traditional age student who goes to college right after high school. There are subjects in there that range from well-being to finance to academic advising to how you manage your time to being involved and engaged and then life after college. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to our guest, Sharon King-Pittman, and ask what made you jump in and want to be a part of this book? Well, when Coretta, my sister, um, when she first uh, talked about the book, I think I was talking about like all of the sisters, because it's four of us, uh, doing a book kind of like talking about our lives. And she said that she'd already started working on a book talking um, about her college experience, which I was excited about because 
I know that while I was in college, um, I went through many things and I figured that those things needed to be shared because I believe there are people probably going through the same thing still or who have been through the same things and they came out of it different ways and I want there to be a better path, uh, so to say, for those who are somewhat like me or how I was while I was in college. So I thought this was a great opportunity to share, you know, my experiences and what I did, what I didn't do. And then to add that with a lot of the resources that Coretta researched and found that would benefit people in that in the similar situation. So Sharon, and for the listeners, there are probably going to be some times when you hear me call her Vicky. Um, that's because I have, as she mentioned, I have three other sisters and the two middle sisters, we have nicknames for them based off of their middle names. And so if you hear me say Vicky instead of Sharon, still talking about the same person. Um, but Sharon, will you give us a little preview of the book in terms of what you gathered and tell us a little bit about your college experience. What type of institution did you go to? What are some of the things that you did there? And then what do you think were some like the highlight lessons that people may find in the book without giving too much of the book away? Well, um, when we first started writing or working on writing the book, Credit already started a draft of it. And so she sent it to me and I started, I read the first page. And it really um, interested me at that moment because even though Fred is my sister, it was like, oh, wow, like I never would have thought that, you know, she thought this or she felt like this or she went through that or anything like that. You know, uh, being the third child, I I looked up to Fred. Um out of all my sisters, I was just like, Credit got it going on. She got it together. She's smart. You know, she graduated second in her class and everything. I'm like, I'm trying to be like, cool. get on the <laughs> out of here and do some big things. I, I mean, that's how I saw it. That's how I thought. And then I was like, you know, in reading that first page, what it really did for me is it made her human. I think sometimes in our minds, we idealize or um, make people into superheroes. Um, and we don't really realize, you know, how human they are. And so that further made me want to share my experience because I felt like maybe outside in, maybe I've run across people, high school and college, post-college that might've looked at me the same way. Like, man, she got it going. No, she got it going on. She doing this and that and the third and this and all these things and making it look like it might be easy when it's not really that simple. Um, so I, um, I graduated high school with a full ride to Fort Valley State University. Um, valedictorian. As class valedictorian of 2006 during vocational high school. Um, and among, you know, I had a full ride and I had other scholarships as well. And I think the first lesson that everybody has to learn is that unless you're prepared or you come from money, it's really important that you have a respect for it and then be disciplined with it. And, you know, like I had a full ride and other scholarships and money starts rolling in. Financial aid office is always a headache. I, ain't, I haven't been to an institution where it wasn't. But um, knowing how to budget money, knowing, you know, 
knowing when to decline, you know, if you're getting student loans, knowing how to decline it and say, no, I just need the amount to cover the classes, you know, even if it's necessary. Because I think at that time, the thing was, everybody was getting student loans and scholarship money and just balling, living our best lives, going in debt. You know, it was people that would, you know, come to school and you see them the first month. And as soon as that money rolled out, you didn't even see them anymore. Like they weren't even in class, you know, and that's not a good thing. And so therefore you have a lot of people now in debt and no degree to even show for it. And then you have those of us who are in debt and got a degree to show for it. And the degree doesn't get us a job that'll get us out of the debt. So Money management is a really big thing that needs to be understood before going to college, I feel like. Because at 18, you know, you're seeing money and commas that you're not used to seeing. I mean, most likely you'll blow it because you don't know what to do with that money. Um, But I went to Fort Valley State and I was in the marching band. I believe that uh, marching band really kept me disciplined as far as time management. Uh, because I mean, marching band was scheduled as a class and it was pretty much 6 p.m. until. And so, you know, you have your classes, you go to dinner and then you're in band practice and you might get out at 10, you might get out at 11, you might get out at 12, you might be getting back to your room at 1 a.m. Just depending on, you know, depending on how practice went and you have to be disciplined enough to be able to deal with that, go to sleep, be prepared for the next day, still get up, go to class, and, you know, function as normal, even if you had a long night. Um, So I feel like the second, you know, major takeaway is time management. Um, I think my third and greatest takeaway that I want people to get from the book um, was my departure from Fort Valley State University and then my entrance to Columbus State University. Uh, I left Fort Valley State University my, at the end of my junior year. I had three semesters left and I left because I was pregnant. And uh, I didn't want to go home. I tried to stick it out, work it out, but it just didn't seem like it was going to go that way, you know. And I just needed more support than what I believed I had at Fort Valley State. Now, at Fort Valley State, my second oldest sister was there, um, Erica. Her name's Erica, or we call her Nikki. And she went to Fort Valley State. She was there two years before me. And so we were there around the same time. And we were actually roommates and everything. But anyway, I decided to go home, like, August. And... uh, I had three semesters left and I would have been finished with school and on to a career. I knew in middle school I wanted to be a teacher. So that decision was easy for me. But anyway, I go home and it was a struggle. It was hard to leave knowing, man, I just got three semesters and I'll be done. I tried to get into Columbus State. They had extended their deadline for registration, but that fell through because, you know, even though you turn something in on time, does it mean it gets processed on time? And so, you know, timing is another thing people can take away from it. Um, so I sat out a semester because uh, I was pregnant. I couldn't get in school. And so it was really rough. But um, I had my son and directly after I had my son, I enrolled in 
Well, it's back at it. Um, and I want people in that situation. You've gone to college. You had a little bit more fun than you should have. <laughs> Made a little too many wrong decisions, even though you thought they were right in the moment. And you find yourself in that place where, okay, I've got to leave because, you know, this environment is not producing what I came here to for it to produce. And now you have an extra situation on your hand. It's not the end of the world. When I came home, I was told, oh, you know, you've ruined your life. You know, it's just rap because, you know, I'm young with a child on the way and I'm not married. But I don't want women, especially women of color, uh, to feel like, oh, life is over because, you know, I'm pregnant and, you know, I don't have a husband and I don't even have a career. It's not a route. You can still push forward, work through it. Um, it's just about wanting it and it's about who you surround yourself with. And I don't think I would have been able to do it if I hadn't come home and received help from my mom and my uh, late cousin, Ozella Ford. And I wouldn't, I don't think I would have been able to do it, you know, without my husband now. And at the time, you know, I went back to school in January. I might have met him in March and we dated for a year and then, you know, got married. And, you know, that relationship, that's a whole story that might say marriage is all over the world in itself. But, you know, he was there. And it's just having the right people, you know, around you to help you keep pushing forward and actually wanting, you know, what you have your eyes set on. Um, is key. So I think, you know, as, as an educator or as a mother, as a sister, you know, as a wife, as an African-American woman, I think that the narrative needs to change. I feel like when I was in high school, there was a big push. You know, everybody got to go to college. College is the way to go. College this and college that, you know, this track, you know, do college prep and all these things like that. There were a lot of things that were being said. There was a stereotype over the high school I went to. Oh, if you go to Jordan High School, you don't go to college. Really? You know, one high school is going to make you not be able to go, you know, to college and get a degree. I mean, how? You know, and then, like I said, there's a big push everybody to go to college. And, you know, home life wasn't the best. You know, no lie, I was ready to get away from Willie Lee King, who is my father. I love you, Willie, but ooh, Lord knows I was ready to get away from you. So I just, Corona went to college. Erica went to college. I'm going to. I got to get up out of this house. And so there we went. And then I knew, too, that for my career path, I had to go. It was required. Um, but I don't think that everybody needs to go to college. You know, when I met my husband, he was like, hey, I have plenty of people with degrees don't have no job. <laughs> you know, and they talk about how much more you make if you have a degree, but there's a lot of people with degrees with no job, or no job in their career field, and so you don't really get paid for the degree and things like that. So that's another thing. I just think we need to better look at, better cultivate, better empower people as they are and in their areas of interest. Show them that there is more than one path to take um, to get to what we call success, whatever that looks like for whomever that is. Um, and that people need to know you don't have to be born into wealth to have it, to obtain it, to get there. You don't have to be born 
into a family of graduates to be able to grad, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to already be there. You can be a first, you know, it's just all about what you want, what you choose to do and what you push for. Sharon, you bring up some really good points that I want to hone in um, as we continue the conversation. And one of those points is about your career path or your vocation. That's one of the things that always made me proud to attend Jordan High School was we were a vocational high school. So we had several shops, anything from graphic arts to metals to cars to um, beauty to um, home economics. Um, I think there's a couple other ones that we had. And there were other schools in the county that had something similar, but we were one of the schools because we were created as a vocational school. So I think our school dated back to the 1940s. I oh want to say, um, I think it was like, yes, 1940s. Um, because back then, in between those two world war, war, wars, and I think that have been hitting the Second World War, you had to have a trade. You had to have a skill. And Columbus, for a long time, was primarily about trades. Um, it's white collar as well as blue collar. Um, it's probably a 60-40 split now, 60% white collar, maybe 40% what you would call blue collar. But that also speaks to our dad was military for some time. And when we grew up in Germany, Vicky would have been really, really small. She was a toddler then. But I was school age, so I got to understand how Europeans, especially Germans, navigated school, who attended what school, um, their equivalencies. For them, after a certain point, you get a trade. You don't just go automatically to college because that's a next step. For them, it's what is your specialty? If you're doing something that requires, um, for those people that understand the master system, that's like you start off as an apprentice. Then the former word was it like is journeyman, but I guess at this point you would just say journey person. And then you become the master. So for those of us who go out and get haircuts and things like that, if you ever look at the person who's cutting your hair, it's a different price per person's expertise. They have a master stylist. That's probably somebody who has a certain certification, um, certain amount of experience and certain amount of years and skill set. And so they're a master. They can train the journey person. They can train the apprentice. Um, Germany was very much, and I think they still have that system in place, where based on your vocation, you decide what direction you need to go. Not, I go to college not knowing, and there's pros and cons to all of it, but we're not going to give all that away. And a lot of those pieces are in the book. Um, we talk about what it meant for my sister, Vicky, but also my other sister, um, Erica. They both went to a historical black college or HBCU. Myself and my baby sister, Actually, we went to two land grant institutions um, that are called PWIs or predominantly white institutions, meaning you have a smaller number of marginalized pers uh, marginalized identities on campus, whether that's sex, gender, race, ethnicity. Um, and no matter your reason for going to college, there's always the ability to explore. College is one part exploring for your career, your vocation. One third, I call it school of hard knocks and just learning how to grow up and be interdependent. 
knowing when to count on and rely on your network and other people and asking for help, but then also making your way in this world as a young adult with some scaffolding. So it's not just raw and uncut. But then I also talk in my part of the book, there's other ways of getting to college. Some people don't have a traditional college experience. Some people, uh, like a lot of my high school friends, they stay back in Columbus and then they allowed their employer to pay for them to go to college. And they saved so much money doing so. And by the time I graduated, guess what? They were ahead of me. And I went to a four-year college, but I wouldn't have changed my trajectory. I think I'm, I'm one of those people that needed to go away. I had some unlearning to do in terms of my personal life. And then I had some kind of like what Vicky just said. I needed to get away from home and go find out who I was. So there's a journey for everybody. But going back to, you know, the context of the book, we just want to give people our raw stories so that they can better understand, hey, it's not about our stories, but by hearing our story, what comes up for you? What are some of the things that come that are making you reflect? I do that all the time when I'm reading a book. I'll read or, or gather somebody's words and the next day, you know, I'm drifting off in my mind thinking about what that sentence means for me or I'm reflecting or I'm relating. And we want to help people think through their decisions. And that's why I have my sister on here today, because one of the key things she highlights in her section of the book is getting clear about the decisions you're making and understanding your why, but then also the sacrifice that's going to come with your decision and moving away from making long-term decisions off of short-term resources. So definitely one of the things that, you know, I wanted to highlight. So thank you, Vicki, for bringing up, you know, the whole notion of who goes to college and what does it mean? And every decade or generation has a different emphasis. We both talk about what it meant to be African-American um, growing up in the 90s and early millennium. And what did that mean to go to college or not to go to college? But now I think because more of us have gone through college, we can be honest with the whole picture of what it meant to go to college so that the younger generations who may be on the fence about college can make different decisions. And then those who may be a little bit non-traditional in age, if they're still debating on whether they think they need to go to college for a skill, whether it's a trade school, community college, junior college, two-year college, uh, four-year college, graduate school, whatever it is, it still gives that context in that real life. Um, before we start drawing to a close, I know that as an educator, there's a lot of different topics in here that you pull on in your day to day. And so what advice based on the book do you have for either other educators that are working with students who are interested in college or caregivers who are thinking about putting a student through college? Uh, first thing I would say is actually talk to the student, the student, the child, and see what they want. Where, what do they want? Where are they trying to end up? What do they want to gain from whatever decisions they're getting ready to make? What is it that they want for themselves? Like to make sure that you're not, I guess, so to say, projecting your dreams onto them or what you think they should do. Because at the end of the day, it's their life, you know what I'm saying? And who wants the, you know, 
I mean, just who wants to end up in debt or who wants to have given all that time into something and then later on realize, like, I didn't even do that for me. Like, that's not even, that wasn't even mine. Like, I did this for you, you know? And then the second thing I would say, Lord, I hope I ain't forget it. Um, don't judge. Um, you can't tell what a person will be or who they'll become, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And you can't look at a child and just automatically assume you know what's best for them. Uh, and I say that because I experienced, like, I witnessed a teacher, you know, just having looked at a child and making a comment to the child. And I didn't like to comment, and so I waited. And once that teacher was gone, no disrespect to them, but I told the child, I was like, don't let anybody put you in a box just because they think you look like you might be this. Um, because it's totally up to you who you become, what you are. Um, that's the choice you have to make. And, you know, and so those things that we say, especially as educators, as parents, those things are very influential in shaping a person, a child. And just like Crota said, you know, she, she said she went to college because she had to unlearn some things. That unlearning things, that stuff takes time. And sometimes that stuff is painful and stressful. And not just to you, but to people around you who care about you. So we have to be careful as educators, caregivers, parents, not to say those things that will alter that person's life, you know, and throw them off key, you know, five, 10, 15 years because you have said this. And so now they don't went a whole different way, you know? Um, so those are my things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Anything else that you would add about the book and then to tell people how they can access the book? Well, first thing, you can access the book on Barnes & Noble. You go to the um, website, just put in a search, Admission Possible. I usually put Coretta's name. Pops right up. It's only $12. Once you purchase it, you download the free app, and it'll be right there in the app, ready for you to read. Um, I think that, you know, once people really start buying it, reading it, talking about it, it's going to provoke conversations. It's, it's going to cause people to come out of procrastination into go mode, or it might take some people out of go mode into reflection. You know, it might change people's courses or, you know, decisions, but... I just wanted to, you know, and that's what we wanted to do. I wanted to do that. Um, I wanted to influence people to really look at their situation, really think about where do I want to go? What do I want? What do I want to get out of this? How will this better help me serve others? Will it? Um, you know, and then really just start thinking, talking out those decisions and not just, you should go to college. Okay, I'll just take your word and go do it. No, let's just think about this and, and make good decisions, sound decisions for ourselves. That is it. And I promise you, we're not on here for just free marketing and 
trying to push the book on you. Um, our One of our cousins, who is a decorated military person, both Marine and Army, um, he is now a, a civilian, I believe. He is getting ready to go back to college, and he made his purchase of the book. And he has lauded the fact that it's really helped him feel more confident and confident about why he's going back and what he's looking forward to and what resources he needs to gather and keep in mind. And so to have someone offer that solicited feedback of what they got out of the book by somebody who has already had two military careers, that lets you know it's not for one demographic, but then also anybody can gain something um, from our story about being first-generation sisters, navigating several different types of institutions, and how our lives have been shaped um, from attending college. Any part of words, Ms. Sharon? All I have to say is get the book and enjoy. All right, and again, like she said, Barnes & Noble, it's a digital, i.e. Nook, there's an app on Barnes and Noble, I think, or in your store, whatever you use, Droid or I, um, iPhone or iTunes. Admission Possible. There's two books out there in Barnes and Noble called Admission Possible, but you can't miss ours. Ours is a red and white book um, with the image of African-American females on the beginning. And the two authors are myself, Coretta King, and then my guest today, Sharon King Pittman. Um, so again, Admission Possible is the text. It was fun having you on here today, Sharon Victoria King Pittman, um, to talk about the book, but then also talk about advice uh, for those interested in college from an educator's perspective. Definitely enjoyed having you on there. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody else, for tuning in to Sister Love. And we'll catch you next episode.